Hey guys, it's your girl, Social Lex Butterfly. I want to welcome you to With Friends. Hey, hey guys. guys. Hey y'all, it's Caress. Before you dress, Caress. Hey everybody, it's always Rodolo. How y'all doing today? What's, what is going on, y'all? Like, where have y'all been up to? That part. <laughs> I'm like, is this a true question? Yes. Right. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like Armageddon is coming again. Like, I feel like the <laughs> pandemic just, like, rebooted. Like, it's like a new, like, a new pandemic, like, is happening again as it's inflating. Fully reloaded. Well, I just had a mini meltdown because I had to purchase a new car. Ooh, yes. After I just paid my car off last year. And my oh. car only had 115,000 miles on it, but I needed a new car. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, she's a beauty. Right. Congrats. <laughs> nice. But damn, I was supposed to drive my last car for at least 10 years. Right. Yeah. I don't even think they make them to last 10 years anymore. If that, I should have got past 115,000 miles, like, for real, for real. Girl, I'm surprised that you got up to that. <laughs> what type of By car? By the grace of God. By the grace of God. <laughs> what type of car was it? Um, a 2015 Chrysler 200. Never purchase a Chrysler. Ever. Ever. With the lifetime of that car, I had two engines, and they were telling me that I needed a third. Never purchase that car. Never purchase that brand. Don't purchase anything by Chrysler, Dodge, or Jeep. I said, "Damn." Well, you know, I'm a huge yeah, Hyundai advocate. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't don't do I know. it. No, I've I've heard all the horror stories, but it's just my dream. Mm -mm. You better you better figure something else out. Shit. Choose another car. <laughs> choose another brand. Okay, I'll think about it. Well, I, mean, I advocate for Hyundai um, because of their nice warranties um, associated with their vehicles. Also, the longevity, the low cost of maintenance, the really good gas mileage, the luxury at a low price and um, uh, manageable cost, all of that shit. Get get you a Hyundai, black folks. Um, yes, because my Hyundai Tucson is everything. <laughs> my mom got a on my powertrain, which means my engine and my transmission. So you asked what we've been up to. We did just get back off of a little trippy trip. Me, Lala, Alicia, oh, how was in that? Colorado. I know we was just missing Lex. I was like, <laughs> I was just so angry. You could and not that's come. when I started having those car issues. So it was kind of good that I didn't go because I spent a lot of money on a rental. Ooh, I forgot about that process. And yeah. then trying to get a diagnostic test done at the dealership on the car because nobody else would touch my vehicle. Mm. <laughs> Wow. It's always when when shit goes fucking wrong that insurance never works. <laughs> like, you're like, what was I paying for again? What 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 was that other stuff that I, I was they supposed to do? They my car for free. They did tow it to the dealership for me. 
Of course they did. Get okay. that money. Thank you to the dude to spend 20 grand. Yes. Come yeah. on. <laughs> oh, they told me it was going to cost like $8,000 to fix my car. Oh, um, $8,000? Say less. It was going to cost you, you $8,000 or as a whole? Me. It was going to cost me $8,000. How the fuck was it gonna cost you eight thousand when you're just supposed to pay the deductible? Because it had nothing to do with the accident. It was like mechanical repairs. Like See, the right. just went the whole on five and got an accident and called that shit a day. Let somebody hit you. <laughs> Wait, yeah. did you have full coverage? Yeah. Mine said mine said something different. Because even for, like, mechanical issues, I had a set deposit for mine. They're not going to pay for a whole engine replacement. Yeah, no, they won't. You do got to get mad. <laughs> oh, I thought... You should have had somebody steal that bitch. You should have took it to Edgewood. I thought about there. it taking it down to South Atlanta and leaving the doors open. Yes! And left the key. And key under the seat. Bitch. No, she should have gave it to a crackhead and let him take the shit. That would have been the end of girl. You would have got a brand new car. Had to pay. Uh, a no, she would have had to go with the first, the first portion. There's way too many video cameras. Like you know, I love me some IDTV, and they use like video cameras in last known areas wherever your cell phone pings. So yeah, no, you need to make it look as natural of a transaction or situation. Get those keys outside the door. Drop the keys right <laughs> at the door. Yeah, you can just, you can just get out and drop them right on the inside, you know, that lower portion of the car door. And, like, you can walk drop on. Drop them right outside the car door. Drop them yeah. right outside. I mean, you, you can know, literally leave them in the seat. You should have held the keys. Just and leave them on the, the seat of the car. Dollar. You should have wrapped it up in a dollar, gave it to the crackhead, and just be like, hey. Over here. Uh -uh. No, 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 because she doesn't need to be seen on camera having any interaction with the crackhead. She just needs to leave the keys on the car seat and then close the door and leave. Girl, they wouldn't have got her. They weren't about all this PPE fraud, so they don't give a fuck. They... That's what I'm saying. That's why the, the keys got to be on the ground right outside the car. On this type of uh, lifestyle, Geico. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Totally legal. We absolutely do not. We absolutely do not condone We don't condone any such thing. We do mm. not condone it. Just a few ideas. Just a few ideas. <laughs> we watch a lot of ID. <laughs> we watch a lot of ID TV. <laughs> oh, shoot. This ponytail heavy as hell, y'all. <laughs> Just died. <laughs> I needed a crane. That was crazy. Okay, guys. Well, let's get into um, today's talk about Black women versus healthcare. Like, with everything going on with the government in 2020 um, and how men are trying to tell us what we can and cannot do with our bodies, for instance. Who was it? Governor Brian Kemp. He signed one of the most restrictive abortion laws in history. Oh it's called God. the fetal heartbeat abortion law, where a woman can't have an abortion after six weeks. I mean, I'm not saying that I, I'm for abortions, 
or that I agree with all abortions, but I am for a choice. A woman should be able to do what she wants to do with her body. Period. Especially if she's raped, especially in instances where she finds out her child may have defects and not be able to live a quality of life. I mean, there are certain circumstances. A man shouldn't be able to tell me what I can and cannot do with my body. Totally agree. I mean, if you've ever been or seen an abortion clinic, people aren't just going in there willingly. Like, it's not like a party. There's literally people outside with their children protesting, making you feel 10 times worse than you already feel about making a decision that you possibly, you know, don't necessarily want to make, but feel like this is your only option. And it's unfair to put a past judgment on people, especially if you've never been in that predicament. I mean, rape is one thing, but in general, like having a child, becoming a mother, that is something that a man can never experience. So why would you have any say in what goes on with a woman's body? It makes no sense at all to me. Yeah. I mean, not even having like the baby, right? Like that's the most extreme side, but just what your body has to go through to give birth. So some women just can't handle that. So for a man to be like, oh, well, no, you just got to go through that. Like that's, that's crazy to me. That doesn't make any sort of sense because it's like the trauma that you got to go through just to be pregnant for 10 months on top of giving birth. Like that some women, I mean, obviously we die more than any other race out there. So, you know what I mean? Like it just, that's wild. I don't know. Not a fan. <laughs> well, I think for me, um, it, it speaks to like a whole lot more for me. Um, no man can ever begin to understand the female experience. <laughs> Or what it is to be a a cisgender female. Like, to be born in this world with a uterus and all of the heavy shit and the the remarkable (laughs) um, strength that you require just, your body physically and mentally you require just to exist. Like, they can't possibly fathom what it is like. Like, they easily would be like, no, I would never want to give birth to a child, but then you want to tell me whether or not I can give birth to a child, but you immediately want to opt out of having a baby. (laughs) You wouldn't want to carry it. You wouldn't want to push it out of your asshole. So, but you want me (laughs) to carry this and push it out of myself, but it's not something that you could even bear to think to do. Um, so where the fuck do you get off trying to tell me what to do with my body is where I'm at with that. Yeah. I think that's wild though, right? Like all the, for a man, for anybody to say what you can do with your body, like there's nothing, there's no sort of laws in place for a man that we like, well, you can't do this. You know what I mean? So it sounds crazy. It just, for it to be 2020 and we're still sitting here having a fight to be like, no, I want to do what I want to do with my body just sounds so crazy to me. We've been literally having our body. We're not property. So it's crazy that we are still fighting for ownership and rights. 
or something right. that literally only belongs to us. And we've, we've been fighting for this for like <laughs> decades, <laughs> like, because, and I, and that's another thing, like, then, then to be, to be doubly hit by being a black woman, <laughs> like not even just being a woman, but being a black woman and the, the countless fucked up shit that happened to like black patients and the, like black, black slaves being tested on for medical purposes and medical practices without their consent, literally just <laughs> abusing and torturing human bodies. Um, for the sake of white people because they weren't not investigating our bodies for us. They were investigating our bodies to treat illnesses that they had. Well, the slave owners, they were raping their slaves and you had black women nursing white babies. Make it make sense. But somehow we're the ones trying to take over the world. Never mind. You know what? That's a, that's another conversation for another time. I'm, we're gonna stay on focus. Black women versus healthcare. Let's do this. Well, why do you guys think that blacks or African Americans face lack of representation of color in healthcare? Oh, I think it's just the opposite. Because I got a lot to say about this. I got a lot. <laughs> I want to say a lot of it plays into location. Everywhere isn't going to have Black doctors for you to go out to. Luckily, we do live in Atlanta. So, well, not everybody, but, you know, the three of us <laughs> live in Atlanta. <laughs> Whatever, y'all. It's not that easy. Let's stay. Right. <laughs> Let's stay. Let's live here. You know? We ain't all in the South. Anywho. <laughs> Sorry, my little New Yorker. Anywho, like, I personally know a lot of Black female doctors here in Atlanta. But you could go outside of the city into the outskirts or these smaller towns and it's going to be less and less that you see because they don't have that black community that large diverse black community that we do have so i think that that plays a big part into it well i did some research and i found out that only five percent of physicians in the united states are black or African American? Mm. I saw Which, that. And I, I, have, I have a pretty good idea of of why in the fuck that happens. Because um, when I graduated from high school, my dream was to be. Um, well, I was I was kind of torn at the time between being an anesthesiologist or a cardiologist, but I knew I wanted to be one of those. So going into school, I was like, yeah, biology pre-med. I, I knew the major that I wanted because I knew what I wanted to do. Um, I knew I wanted to help people. And I had my, there's um, a great deal of ish, heart disease and heart health issues within my family. So that's another reason why cardiology was really big for me personally, um, trying to go into that. But um 
two years in that major with the shitty ass advisor I had and they wouldn't give me another one. Um, yeah, no, like he, he didn't give a, he didn't give a fuck about me. That white man could have given shits less whether I existed. Um, the way that he operates he, because he wrote all of his books is that of course the more students he has in his class the more people he has to buy his book therefore the more money he makes on top of his contract with, with the school so what he did was have me sign up for his biology classes where he just literally rambles off what sounds like nonsense because I ended up having to retake this class with a completely different professor and what he said in his in his classes during his lectures and what she said was totally different like he just didn't give a fuck and then going to see him to get assistance his his lack or willingness to help he was never even in his office to give assistance it's really just when you, if you don't go to an HBCU, like you need an incredible support system around you that's gonna keep pushing you through the bullshit to keep on track because otherwise you'll end up like me and get completely discouraged because I had not found my sense of self-worth. I had not found like my sense of being and understanding. I just had a dream and he crushed it <laughs> is what happened. Yeah, I was definitely going to say that's where going to an HBCU probably definitely enhances things because I didn't go to an HBCU, but my cousins all went and just their experience of them talking about their advisors and the things that they would discuss or even their professors, like they're we had professors and nobody knew them like for real, like the professor wasn't worried about getting to know you for real. Never. So it was just interesting to hear from their perspective, like people that were actually like checking back in on them, like, Hey, you need to be on top of your game. Like, what are you doing? You're here now. There's no more games anymore. Like, I think that that was, that's really dope about HBCUs where you have those faculty and advisors that are there to push you. And it, it helps because they've been there. So, you know, they've been the black kid trying to figure it out in school, you know, in a world that's set against them. So I think that HBCUs definitely play a big factor in that and importance. And when you, tr when you actually choose schools, because at, White institutions, you're just another number. They definitely don't care about you. And I mean, I can't say that for everybody, of course, but they're few and far in between. I just feel like with, in certain areas of certain demographics, Blacks face the lack of access. We don't have rich moms and dads that are able to pay the deans to get us in and to make our SAT scores higher and not go to jail for it. Yeah, I know my ex-boyfriend, um, <laughs> I, I, I have this thing for nerds, so um, <laughs> I've dated a lot of pretty weird ass geniuses in my past, but um, he's, he's one of them. And he went to one of those huge magnet schools in Atlanta up there in like, uh, 
Cobb, where, you know, they have all that money and access to all that shit. Um, most of them don't take their SATs. <laughs> like, a person who is a great test taker takes their SAT on behalf of them. Okay? Like, it goes, it also goes, this kind of ties into this repeating kind of uh, mantra that's been floating around <laughs> Twitter over the last week. Lie on your resume. Fat, <laughs> fat. Sell yourself. You better sell the fuck out of yourself. Shit. I don't care. Get that job. Pretty much. Yeah, it really doesn't matter because at the end of the like, day, a lot of people in certain positions are just there because they knew somebody. Like, <laughs> white people and nepotism go hand in hand. They knew somebody so, and definitely weren't qualified for the position. Yeah. Exactly. Just because they knew somebody and that person liked them or saw <laughs> something in them, then, okay, yeah, you got the job. Yeah, because, I mean, but some people just really are not good test takers. You can't take the SAT. Go find you someone that can. Get her ass into that school and go be the somebody to make change in the world, okay? <laughs> like, do not let them stop you. And if your advisor, if as a black woman, if your advisor is not black or a woman, um, at at a very at the very least, let it, let it be a woman, okay? That <laughs> you have some sort of chance, you know, in proceeding forward. But definitely, we're shooting for another black woman as your um advisor. Is my recommendation for any young ladies attempting to go back to school, attempting to go to school, like. Get you one of us. Get you somebody. It's just like picking a therapist to me because I have to go to that person and I have to emotionally unload where my where I am with where I want to go in life and what what this place can can serve me, how this place can serve me in getting there. So if I'm gonna unload and share with somebody my dreams, uh, my ambitions, um, I need them to be able to relate to me. I think it's just representation too though because a lot of times like for black women we're first generation college students and so a lot of times we don't know that it's an opportunity like we have the option to choose an advisor right like we don't have no one ever told us that we had that so that goes hand in hand with like not necessarily nepotism but if your whole family went to Princeton for five generations then you know how to navigate you know how to move through it but if your mom barely made it through high school when once you get to college like that's all you know so you think you have to do everything by the book and you think you have to do all this stuff when in reality your counterparts are doing half of the work but yet they're getting better grades than you they probably have better opportunities than you just because you don't know so that they really, got the cheat tests they got all right, the like they don't you know, all the old tests <laughs> they got all that stuff they know how to get around plagiarism and all that and us as black people that's we why, everything to the right by the book the goal is that to create those spaces for the children coming up now yeah. where, you know, hey, you know somebody that knows somebody, yeah, let's get you into this space mm -hmm. because we have to create those opportunities so that people will continue to be doctors, you know, people will go into nursing and thrive and continue to educate themselves in those fields. So I think that's very important. Yeah. 
I think we need to normalize helping other black people. Because a lot of times, once we get to a certain level of success, we are afraid to like reach back for the people for us. So we just really need to like normalize being okay. Like, why not help the black person? Like, what's the lady I forget off of insecurity? It was like she rooting for anybody that's black. Like, that should be okay. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that should be something where Easy. you know, if I own a business. Why wouldn't I help my sisters out? Why wouldn't I help these people that look like me, the children that didn't have the opportunity? Because I mean, the white people are going to do it. And not even on no racist stuff, just simply like Asians do it, Indians it's do it. Because so all, uh, all other ethnicities do it. Yeah, I was um, reading uh, Gabrielle Union's book, and she was talking about that uh, with. Ryan Destiny, she had reached out to her like, yeah, can you like mentor me? And she was kind of like offended at first because she's like, you know, I'm going to train up my my replacement. replacement. Like basically she's a younger, more gorgeous version of me in her <laughs> words. <laughs> but I'm going to train her up. And then she's like, you know, I had to stop and think like, no, there are women that pave the way for me women who were in these in this field and didn't see me as a competition but saw me as a way to get us further to make us a better people so I definitely think that that is important and two it's something different where that is a youthful person having and acknowledging enough respect (laughs) because they don't do this often like let's be clear generation um uh z (laughs) respect um we gotta start teaching them what that is but um that's like that generation coming to you and humbly saying i admire what you do i think that you're fucking great and i i would love to learn whatever you can teach me like that's what that says to me when somebody wants uh, to be a mentor or have a mentorship like that's what that says to me but i know i know too it i could see easily though how you can reach that that first initial reaction and that's because men have literally (laughs) like trained us to think that we have to compete with each other for everything right. there's only enough room for one <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's it that's that's all it comes down to let's talk about dismissive doctors Ooh. and oh, please. <laughs> carry on. Carry on. let's talk about Ooh. dismissive doctors and your own medical experiences wow. i'll be glad so i can tell y'all what i went through while y'all were scared when my cell phone wasn't working my bad my, my bad <laughs> y- yes i couldn't uh, say yes. But so, okay, so let's, let's start with this. So my first experience where I realized that I might need some additional help, I was in seventh grade. Um, I, I started getting my periods in sixth grade. Um, I was a little early than um, a lot of my friends were. So Seventh grade, though, by that time I'm in full swing, it's been almost like a year. I'm pretty accustomed to how this thing works, right? And I think I've got the hang of it out of nowhere. Um, 
fortunately, thank God it was summer. Like, thank God it was summer because like, I can't even imagine trying to explain this to my parents at the time. But um, I, my, my knees literally gave way while I was walking up the steps because the pain from my cramps hit me so bad like I lost feeling in my legs. Like my back was, I don't know, it was like exploding. And I'm like, I'm dying. Like I'm literally dying. I'm crawling up the steps. I am screaming for my life. And I'm like, call my mom, like get her home. My mom rushes home like, thank God for moms. Like <laughs> I'm <laughs> trying not to cry. Thank God for black moms, <laughs> but like, she worked her magic, got me better, and um, was like, we need to go to the doctor about this. So we made an appointment. I'm there. I'm like, it's so bad. Like, I, I thought I was dying. Like, I'm explaining to them. Like, <sighs> as a child, this severe level of pain. And they were like, it was kind of like they were nodding me off and I'm like, no, like, <laughs> they don't get it. Like, I, I was about to die, like, <laughs> like, in my mind, like, right. I was about to die. They're like, okay. And they're like, well, you know, um, it's pretty common for people your age to experience this kind of pain. Um, it, it's not something that happens all the time. It's probably, you know, every now and then when your flow is, is, is more increased, like, it's heavier, it's, you're gonna have more cramps. That's all, that's all they gave me. Like, they sent me on my way, that was it. I was offered birth control, pain meds, nothing. I was maybe like 12, 13. Like, are you kidding me? I understand where you're coming from because I was in the same or similar position. Um, one, apparently, I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. I really don't even know what it means other than I've looked it up myself and kind of find out what it found out what it means. But essentially, I have irregular periods. So... When I was little and I used to have my period, I used to throw up like I literally um, used to miss school because of my period. And I remember one time, this is probably when I finally was like, okay, this girl is my best friend. I was at school and we were in gym and I was on my period and I threw up like in the middle of the gym it's like the last period of the day thank god but my best friend she was right there with me the whole time helped me clean it up my sister for life but i go to the doctor and they're like yeah you have polycystic ovarian syndrome and i'm like okay what does that mean like i don't feel any type of way like i don't know if i have this i'm like so like when i go to the doctor i'm like you know hey so can we check this out like and they're like, oh, if you're not having a problem, then it's not a problem. Oh, you're not trying to get pregnant right now, then don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> take some birth control and it'll be all right. And me personally, I don't believe in birth control. So I, I refuse to take it. I, I don't think that 
I should be taking something that makes me stimulate a period when my body's natural reaction isn't to have a period. Like, I don't think that I should have a fake one. Like, my body is not doing that. So I feel like there should be alternative options or even just tests. Like, I don't even know if I have any cysts. Like, I've never felt one. People are saying, oh, they're painful, all this. You're saying that I have this. I've never felt this pain or these things. I don't, I don't know this. Um, also, I used to have, like, severe joint pains when I was little. And they're like, oh, well, if you wear heels or if you do this. And I'm like, no, I'm a kid. Like, <laughs> I'm in pain. Like, my my joints, my fingers, like everything just used to cramp up and hurt really bad. Like, and I'm going to the doctor and I'm telling them this and I, and they're like, okay, you know, just do this and do that. And I'm like, okay, this wasn't, wasn't helpful at all. So then you kind of just lose that trust in doctors. Like, yeah. I, like, even as an adult, I've gone to the doctor and I've been like, yo, I have this polycystic ovarian syndrome you know I may not be trying to get pregnant today but like I'm trying to figure out to get ahead of it so that if I do want to have kids one day then I know what my options are what I have going on but they're just kind of like oh okay well if you're not trying to get pregnant then we're not going to worry about it we're not going to check you out or do anything it's really dismissive and it's like okay You see these black women in pain. You see these black girls in pain. And they think that, okay, we're just moving through life. So we're just okay with experiencing it. And we're strong. You know, that's what they think about black women. We're strong. But no, we're just living through the pain. Like everybody else is getting the proper care and looked after. And we're just moving through excruciating pain and learning how to deal with it. Uh, Caress, I feel like you need to go get a second opinion because with polycystic um, ovarian syndrome, that means you have cysts that are being caused by endometriosis. Like with endometriosis, the lining of the uterine wall grows outside of the uterus. Like this is an issue that you need to get fixed and they can screen this by doing an ultrasound. I only know that because of my current experience that I had to go through with my uh, new doctor my black doctor. <laughs> and that's so what I'm you saying. Need, you, need, you need to change um, OBGYNs, like ASAP, because if you do want to have kids in the future, this can affect you having kids. And, and I definitely know that. And I've been to black doctors and just different doctors. And all the time, it's like super dismissive, like, oh, you'll, you'll, It'll, we'll worry about it when you get to that road. And I'm like, why would I not want to prevent anything that I can or try to figure this out, get ahead of things? But yeah, definitely still looking for opinions. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, oh, you guys are making me sad. I can't. No, like real, real life, real deal issues. <laughs> I don't I think it's just a woman thing I don't even know if it's because I'm black I think it's just the doctors 
what I've noticed with going to the doctor over the years is that a lot of them are just not educated. And the problem is we don't realize that some of these doctors pass with a fucking C in all day classes and they didn't really study. Degrees. Right, like <laughs> degrees. So, you know, we get there and they don't really even know. So everything is just based off of their assumption and not really facts and they don't really take the time to give you tests. So it's just crazy. Um, a couple I'm years ago. say one thing real quick. They call yeah. it medical practice. Medical practice. They are just practicing medicine. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's really a practice. Like they just, it's like they're throwing a dart and hopefully they figured out, okay, where the bullseye is because they just don't be fucking knowing. But Nothing. that's why all of the vaccines, the drugs, everything has so many side effects because they're just trying, they're still trying to figure out how to get it just to do the one thing that they're wanting it to do. Every, like, it, they're still practicing to figure out the best way to get to a solution for, or a resolution for an illness or a disease. Like, they just, they know, they almost know as much as we know about what's going on sometimes like they have to go look it up just like we would have to go look it up <laughs> they would have to go research to understand what it is also like unless that is their specialty especially if like you're not going to a specialty doctor and a lot of people don't even realize that you should when once you start experiencing and you know that it's like not an all over my body thing and you know it's this one thing that bothers you that's the type of doctor that you need to go see like even even down to that like we don't even have that kind of knowledge to know whether uh the difference between an endocrinologist or an esthetician birth control since i was since i was 18 years old mm. like i have really 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 heavy and long periods and within the past couple of months, my cycles have gone from like seven days to like nine days. And then my last cycle was 14 days. So I started freaking out because I've talked to my family. I have a family history of all of them have had uterine fibroids. My mom, my grandma, my aunt, all of them had their uteruses taken out before the age of 40. And I'm freaking out because I'm 33 and I still haven't had any kids. I want to have kids but I, I need to have a husband first. So I talked to my doctor, my previous doctor about this. She's a Latino. Yeah. She's actually a nurse practitioner. I was like, hey, I was like, uterine fibroids amongst a lot of other things running right my family. Um, what do I need to do to find out if I have them? What do I need to do to find out if these are gonna cause problems with me trying to have a child? She was like, well, you probably do have fibroids, but <laughs> since you've been dealing with it for so long, it's okay. This is what you this woman said to you probably do. Like, what you she looked me in my face. Do. She looked me directly in my eyes and said, you probably do have fibroids, but since you've been dealing with it, it is okay. You're fine. And I'm looking at her like almost in tears. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And then maybe fucking stupid. That's dumb. Two or three weeks after that appointment, my cycle came on, and I get to day ten, and my cycle is still heavy. I'm still bleeding. I called her. I was like, "Hey, uh, my cycle is still on. (laughs) What do I do?" Yeah, didn't get a response. So I had to schedule another appointment. Um, I found a black doctor 
at Midtown. Well, it took almost two months with COVID to get an appointment. So yeah, I had to stress and wait for two months. She did a pelvic exam. She was like, you have an enlarged uterus. She was like, we need to do an ultrasound. She was like, it's better to know than not to know. So two weeks later, I had my um, ultrasound um, with the ultrasound tech. She wasn't able to tell me um, my results. I had to wait two more weeks <laughs> until I could speak That's to all a month later. That's a month later. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I, I've been That's stressed. That's like, like three months after the incident. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been stressed a little bit. They're like, well, what are you, because my first initial office visit, they're like, why are you here? I was like, my periods are getting longer and longer. I was like, I'm on birth control. There's no reason why my period should be on day 10 and I'm still bleeding. There's, there's no reason for that. Like, Y'all need exactly to fix with birth control. That's my point, exactly. Like, but what had, the purpose of the birth I control had, was to regulate my cycles. And now that it's no right. longer regulating my cycles, what do we do next? That's my biggest fear right there is because I've had, of course, longer periods than most, you know. I've had those periods where I just felt like I was going to die because I was bleeding out. But if I take this birth control, is that going to stop that? And I've never, had, you- I've never had issues. Like, I haven't had issues up until I turned 33. Never, ever. And now, all of a sudden, I'm starting to have these issues. I'm freaking out because of my family history. I don't want to end up having to have my uterus taken out and then not be able to have my own biological kids with my husband. I mean, I don't mind adopting, but the plan is to have at least one or two kids of my own. Well, I, like, during my appointment, she did, she was very um, informative. We went over uterine fibroids, ovarian cysts, endometriosis, polyps. We also talked about endomyosis. She was like, these could all be factors of why you're having um, a heavy cycle. So how about we do an ultrasound and find out what's going on? Well, I just got my results back. I do have fibroids, but they're very small. And she was like, you have nothing to worry about. She was like, we will continue to monitor them. And then she did put me on um, another birth control. She was Man, like, yeah. that's that's get a black woman helping out another black woman. Like, like, we'll follow up in three months to find out how you're doing on this new birth control to see if you have, uh, see if um, it's regulating your cycle. Oh, and she also gave me 800 milligram ibuprofen. I'm 33 years old and this is the first time any doctor has ever prescribed me pain medication. That, that's the shit, that's what I was trying to say earlier. I, I went through all of that and still never even got a prescription for pain meds until 2017. And I, I have tried to get more and they still won't give, they won't, can't even get more. And so I, I got a question. Never. I got a question though. It's, it's necessary to, to talk about in having this conversation. Your friends are supposed to be your village. If you can't come and have these conversations with them, you need new friends. Those aren't your friends. You need to have conversation, be able to have conversations like this so that you don't feel alone, so you don't feel trapped in your thoughts and, and beating yourself up for shit that has nothing to do with you, for shit you didn't do to yourself, for shit you don't deserve, okay? Like, that's what friends are supposed to do. On that note, um, a lot of people have been, like, really judgmental when it comes to 
to Chrissy Teigen or Tigan. Uh, oh, they were and so mean and rude. Like, been. they were just rude for no reason. Like, evil people. You don't and get it's this. Like, it's like, people really don't understand what somebody sharing their story does for other people who have been in that situation and also does for that person. You know, especially being a person that does share that information with the world. Like, she's been very vocal about her pregnancy and what she's been going through along the way so for her it's probably just therapeutic and also freeing to just go ahead and be like hey this is what happened this is what's going on this is where I'm at with this because people are going to speculate and pass judgment anyway so to go ahead and get ahead of that you can just be your most vulnerable self and then people throwing that vulnerability back in your face and being like, oh, you shouldn't have shared that or that was an overshare. Well, or, a lot of people you know, she deserved to have her baby die. Like, how do you open up your mouth and say that to a person? Okay, like, how do you yeah, I definitely oh, didn't say that. that. She, she carried yeah. that baby for at least nine months. Like, what do you mean? She went people to the hospital to have a baby and came back with nothing. What do you mean? First of all, that is brave. Don't don't condemn someone else because in a situation where you would not be able to maybe take their approach, um, that they should be addressed a certain way. Like you don't get think, to choose. I think it's that, but I think it's you being uncomfortable. Like just because you're uncomfortable with somebody expressing themselves or being open like I think respectability politics is bullshit like people are like oh this is personal like no this is social media is personal everybody. you guys constantly up, are up these people's asses for not sharing more about themselves <laughs> like even how much this more like what do you every, want from these people every like, time these people get pregnant there's something else we learn about something else we find out that oh this might happen because of pregnancy that you never even knew was a possibility because these women decided to come out and share like to get to the point where, like Alexa said, you were supposed to be bringing home a baby and to not bring home anything and to have people judge you and say, oh, you, you're, you deserve this or, you know, you shouldn't share this or you should keep it private. Like, no, this is what I'm going through. This is real. Like, everybody's so afraid of people being real. So we're... For me, I don't, okay, so on posts like this where people share personal things, I usually stay away from the comments because people do say dumb shit. So, like, were these women or were these mostly men speaking? Like, men, men who, again, have oh, zero. It was, both. it was both. And a lot of women. It was a lot of women on these posts. Yeah. The fuck is wrong with you? Again, my no, body, you know my what? choice. What? I think it's just a matter of a lot of these women went through the same thing that she did, but they didn't get to tell their fucking story. So now they're mad at her because it's like, how dare she 
kind of take that from them. You know what I mean? Because a lot of these women probably had miscarriages and they had to go through it alone. So because of that, they're looking at her like, who the fuck? Like, why would you tell somebody that you should be alone too? I, in reality, no, that's not. No, they should have told their stories too. No, you know? I, exactly. don't think, I, don't think exactly. I don't think it's that. I think it may be triggering. Um, I think yeah, her sharing can for people yeah. to it have is. to relive and reprocess and redeal with something that they may have allegedly thought they put to bed and have it because they never truly dealt with it. Okay. Well, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but per the CDC, Black women or African Americans are three to four times more likely to die during childbirth than white women. Yeah. So, like, why is that? Like, why do you think this is happening? In a developed country, country, it makes no sense. We are a developed country. Like, there are non-developed countries that don't have rates as high as we have. And, again, it's because they don't take us seriously. Like, if I call my doctor and I say, hey, I'm spotting, oh, is it bad? No, come in. Like, we need to check that. This is a life, like, <laughs> this is a life that you're trying to grow here. We need to see what's going on if you're spotting. We need to see what's going on if, you, if you're having major concerns, major pains during pregnancy, not, oh, this is normal, or if it, if it keeps going, if it's bad tomorrow, like, type stuff. No, like, immediate, like, let's see what is going on. Let's have you examine. And I think it's even more annoying that if you, the, what you're talking about, the research that the CDC did, it was nine years of research. In nine years, they, you're telling me you watched for nine years as the number increased for Black women to die. And in nine years, you said absolutely nothing. Wait, pause. Then let's add that this nine-year study that they did was only released last year. So three years later, 12 years they decide to, 12 years, 12 whole years later, they're now deciding to release this information that we're dying at increasing numbers. Ding dong, y'all. We had, we had no idea this whole time. Yeah, but you no, know what? Been going no, this. that's not true. How? That's not true. We did know. No, I, think I, like, I don't we, care. <laughs> We've been talking about it. What I'm trying to get to is that Chrissy's sharing her story is another reason why that is necessary for us as women um, because 12 years, my friend, like 12 fucking years. She told us as it happened to her, though. Yeah. We got that one spot. Kim Kardashian. Serena Williams, she shared her story. Serena, everybody. You would think that if you have a lot of money, you would get the best health care possible. Well, a day after Serena Williams had her baby, she had a blood clot in her lung. She alerted her her doctor and her nurses because she's experienced blood clots before. She has Mm. shortness of breath. They dismissed her concerns. Hours and hours passed by before they started doing tests to find out, hey, she did have a blood clot. She could have died. The greatest athlete of all time. And how much money did she pay for her health care? Like, like, 
come on now. I That's feel like when they see us, they automatically dismiss us because they already have a stereotype based on our skin color. And I just had to say that to say, like, it doesn't matter how hard we work to get to be recognized at any point. Um, just being a Black woman immediately drops us to the point of other people not giving a fuck, okay? Like, that's the that's what it means to be clearly stated and for everybody else to understand. So it should be across the board. Everybody receives the same type of care. Like, that, that is the oath they take when they graduate from, from medical school. I mean, right, but then the, what's the oath that the country takes in <laughs> deciding to send or offer limited resources to urban or minority areas or hospitals or facilities that are servicing low-income and minority areas what what the fuck about that like that's that's another reason why this whole this whole conversation is necessary because it's election time it's election motherfucking time and they're they're getting ready to to fuck us the fuck up the Ooh. Trump administration <laughs> is trying to literally change insurance to benefit the the top 0.01% of people who are running and making those billions and billions of dollars off of us paying them for shit to happen to us and for them to not give us money that we've been paying them back. Y'all better vote. Yeah, literally. And you better know what's on the ballot before you show up. Like, educate yeah. yourself. Vote. Wait, vote. Vote. Definitely. Vote. I don't care if you vote for the fly, but you, you better vote. Here. You better vote. <laughs> What'd you say, Chris? There, I said there are definitely resources out here, so definitely, you know, do your research and find out all the information on the things that are going to be on your ballot, because it's more than just the president. Yes, and that's like to everybody's point. If you guys like are really out here wanting to have these political conversations, make sure your ass is registered to motherfucking vote, okay? And make sure that you're going, that you're submitting your shit and sending your shit the fuck off, okay, guys? Because like and November 3rd, it's shit. about to go the fuck down. It's well, y'all better do early vote and don't wait until the last minute. You already don't know the, do the type of games they try to play. Don't do it. Yeah, Trump has already said the, he's already said that he is going to do everything in his power to make sure that he wins. He's already threatening to not give people money that we pay them in taxes back to us so that we can survive during this pandemic. Again, he does not want to give us our money back. He, we are are literally just asking for a refund guys have you ever been to a store and you know they sold you damaged goods or sold you some expired shit and they they in their policy it says you're supposed to get this shit back and it's just not happening and they're fucking with you that's what the fuck is happening yeah I, i'd like to uh change the narrative about government government assistance because it's not mm -hmm. government assistance it's assistance by the people I agree. The world needs to support us just like they support everybody else. And I, I think really honestly, the same. We're at the same point with misogyny that we are with racism and the systematic influences that that impact those things. 
Ooh, that's a whole nother conversation, Lord. Yeah. Jesus. No, you need to burn it all down. That's that's the conclusion. There, there's not a whole other conversation. Burn it all down. We'll start <laughs> with we as women can rebuild this world, and I bet you it would function far differently than it is now. We've been living in a man's world for far too long, and uh, we let them fuck it up for far too long. So let's see what the other side looks like. Woman, let's talk about those black businesses. Oh, yes, it's Black Business Time. Okay, well, mine is a business out of Miami called Soaps by Jaw. Uh, she has soaps, body scrubs, uh, a whole multitude of different skincare products. Um, she also teaches classes on how to make soap and how to start your own businesses. She's really dope. Um, been getting a lot of traction. She's gotten some uh, store placements and things like that. So definitely check her out. Again, it is Soaps by J-A-H. And I want to shout out uh, NACA Beauty um, with Giselle. Go to her for all of your microblading needs. When I tell you my eyebrows is on fleek, they don't grow. Oh, but I got me some eyebrows for the next two to three months. Okay? You, you see them? Okay, y'all see them. Oh, and she also um, specializes in um, eyelashes as well. So. Uh, and I love you know, I should have known. I should have known that was going to be your referral. <laughs> I mean, but you know, I, I'm just, I'm happy you're happy because that means, first of all, she's good at what she does because people just don't go around singing everybody's praises, okay? <laughs> I stopped that girl page for like two years. I was like, this is like a semi-permanent makeup. I, mm -mm. I wasn't going to let nobody just touch my face like that. Shit. I got to live with it. Uh, mine is custom app design, so it's a black-owned business, and they create apps and websites for small black business owners. Oh, that's, that's really dope. That is. Because, I mean, like, I'm pretty sure, like, people have, like, a ton of ideas. I'm like, well, I have, I have no idea where I can even start to get this <laughs> developed. So and it's that, pretty expensive for a regular company. So they do a really, really good job of trying to keep it affordable for the small businesses. Oh, hell yeah. That's fire. Yeah, that's fucking fire. I, I can get with that. I'm all about well, saving money. My small business, it's not necessarily a business. I want to take this opportunity to promote the drew dixon on the record documentary that's available on hbo max like first of all i have a, i would like to say i have a great amount of of respect and like just like i i'm in admiration for the courage of this woman to speak out against freaking Russell Simmons and L.A. Reid, like, of all people. Like, you know, like, R. Kelly was one problem, but that was an artist. These are literal, actual Black figures within the industry with, with real power, okay? Like, and 
I, I commend her bravery for stepping up against them. And I think that the way that she told her story in this documentary was one in which that if you walked away from surviving R. Kelly and there was a, any, any bit of discomfort or um, a questionability that, that occurred in your, your mindset of evaluating that film, um, yeah. which first of all should have ne should not have fucking happened it was very fucking clear um surviving on kelly was very clear to me what the fuck happened but um this really elaborates and kind of explains what happens to um survivors when they experience this trauma in a way that i think that men can probably begin to start opening their eyes and I think like just like with surviving R. Kelly the more men that see this this type of stuff in these documentaries the greater yeah. impact it has on how they see black women and women as a whole because this man didn't just do this like like this man has a degree of power in which he was even able to have the white women silenced that, that he this was allegedly you know disrespected and assaulted and raped like mm. th that's a scary thing and I wanted to promote it here because like I, I mean I think it's getting some traction now but it definitely needs more like more people like this needs to be a viral thing that's made known like I want shit done about this like we need to start reversing statute of limitation laws across every state and federally for any sexual crimes. Like, there should never be a statute of limitation on that. Yeah. Um, she told me about it, and I ended up watching it. And it being a victim of sexual assault, it, it definitely resonated with me, some of the things that she was saying, as far as, like, the feeling in the moment um, of feeling like, okay, this is not okay. But this person is, like, obviously something is wrong. Like, where they're not, like, thinking at full capacity or something is wrong emotionally with this person. And still feeling empathy in that moment for a person who is harming you in such a, and violating you in such a way that is just, like, not even imaginable but you can still like see the human in people. And it was just interesting and also incredibly relatable. So that's that's a very clear note for the for everyone to be left with as we tell them good night because it's getting late. <laughs> it was nice chatting with you ladies. Yeah, this was this was a very real whoever. Yeah, this was a very necessary conversation. Like I'm I'm so glad that this happened for me. Like I said, I know I've been crying, but like, it's been so I thought I was going to, but you definitely did that. So, you know, and I'm not a crier anyways. But, I'm a crier, you know, not in public. I do my stuff in, in the background, like in the shadow, <laughs> dark, by myself. Okay. I, I never cry. You never see me cry. <laughs> I never cry. I cried like three times last week. Corona is getting to me. I'm like, oh my god, I'm crying again. She is. That's why it's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to sign off. Right, guys. Adios. Sayonara. Sayonara. Sayonara.